Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV pilot's license flight number 61 with service to Borneo. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, on today's flight, we will be voting on who we find the most annoying on the plane and throwing you out of the plane mid-flight using the escape hatch. There are no takesy-backsies, and the tribe has spoken. Welcome to the TV Pilots <laughs> License. My name is Jeff Purvis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Bordio! Bordio! Oh, 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 Bordio! Wow. Rich, how are uh, you doing? Feeling real loose. Feeling real loose. Real loose vibes on the podcast today. Oh, my God. Well, boys, <laughs> this week we are talking about the first season of Survivor. Survivor Borneo. But before we do Bonio. so... Bonio. It's Bonio for the next no. hour. Oh, did you watch that one, too? <laughs> Why are you talking about my OnlyFans subscription? Uh, but with that being said, uh, it appears that a new castaway has been thrown off their boat and washed upon our shore. Our guest pilot this week is an actor-comedian and a self-declared Survivor dork based in New York City. It's her 30th birthday, and if you want to send her money for drinks, her Venmo is Rach McKnight. It's America's sweetheart, Rachel McKnight. Rachel, yeah. welcome to Happy the podcast. To you. <laughs> A remix, okay. Yeah, let's let's have everyone on, on Wi-Fi connections try to sing it once. Yes. <laughs> when, when you said you wanted to go to a beach for your 30th, Rachel, is, is this what you had in mind? <laughs> This is Getting the warm marooned. up. I'm going to go to Puerto Rico tomorrow. So, <laughs> oh hey, that, that sounds great. Well, Rachel, as you prepare for your remote island, uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Survivor, the TV show. So I watched growing up with my family, like you do, um, and then I kind of fell off in high school because I had better things to do. <laughs> no, you don't. In, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like Glee. <laughs> Like- <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you. Um, I, you know, I I started watching it again during um during the shutdown, and it was one of those things where um when you have zero structure in your life anymore, Survivor has a cadence and a structure to it that was very comforting. <laughs> When I found out there were like what forty five seasons of this, I'm like, how? How are they doing this? Are they doing multiple seasons at once? Rich, we will talk about how many seasons there are because it oh, is man. insane. It's disturbing. <laughs> they do they do two a year, so yeah. God, that's crazy. I know. So we're we're on forty six right now. They're probably filming forty seven as we speak. I, I Rich, cannot. You're wait. on it right now. Yeah. Oh, surprise! Shit. I gotta get to Fiji. Oh my gosh. Well. <laughs> Rachel, we're so excited to have you on the pod. Um, For those who are here to listen to Rachel dork out about Survivor or are here for the first time, Max, do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about? Here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous shows. We learn a little bit more about how these shows came to be and were originally made. If they're effective pilot episodes and making us want to watch more, and if we think they can be made today... Go back and stream our other 60 episodes wherever you get podcasts from. Check us out on YouTube to see our smiling faces. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. And Rich, what is your question of the week this week? Yeah, thank you for joining season 62 of of TV Pilots License. And uh, my question this week is, obviously, they go to a ton of different places on the show. My The thing that irks me a little bit is that they go to places where people actually live. Um, but <laughs> like, oh, you got to survive in this place where tens of thousands of people are around you already surviving. Um, what Ted's part- been doing great for 10 years. Like he's well, doing fine. That's why they don't do the food eating challenges anymore because it's not. It was easy. a little racist. Yeah. People eat yeah. these foods. Yeah. Oops. Um, I wanted to I wanted to know if there was a place in the US, uh just could be a region or something like that, what region would you pick to host Survivor? Okay, so Rich, I've thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, what I would like to do is I would like to gather a bunch of folks who live in warm climates, uh, just as a whole. So, you know, 
maybe you and Max, uh, or maybe my parents from Florida. And then I want them to come and live in a regular home in Minnesota between the months of December and April. Uh, because, you know, I would love to see folks survive when it's negative 25 degrees outside and there's been snow on the ground for 130 consecutive days. Oh, no. I have to play pond hockey and eat soup? How am I going to survive this? You know, you say that, Rich, but I think you would uh, go nuts after uh, day 95. Um Max, what about you? Alrighty, uh, so I I have a very uh, historical pick here, okay. and I think we need to drop a survivor tribe in a little place called Roanoke, Virginia, because last Shut time we sent a colony up, up there, Shut everyone the disappeared. <laughs> no, no, Jesus, no, no, no. survivor, survivor colon witch trials. Oh my! God. Yikes, Rachel, what about you? So, I think we should do it in the Louisiana swamp. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, we could get some wild boars going. Let's do it. Survivor. Let's we get some get wild Silvava. boars going. Wild hogs, some uh, some crocodiles, you know. Wow. Some, some real raging Cajuns. <laughs> uh, I, I think it'd be a good time. I really would watch that. Right. Yeah, I want to see some croc wrestling. We With just the have subtitles it at, on at the University of Louisiana. That's where we're doing it. <laughs> just like on a college campus. Uh, Rich, you've had some time to think about this. Where Where are you sending Boy, folks have to? I. Um, I'm going Pacific Northwest, and the reason is uh, you have obviously some of the most liberal cities out there. But when you step a little bit outside of those liberal cities, it is psycho like uh like kind of i don't know rural farming situations that have led to that have led to the beginning of like multiple cults and i'm like i think once you get a little bit outside of portland or seattle or bend or whatever you go a little bit crazy and i would love to see people try to deal with that especially maybe people from those areas that live in the liberal cities put them out in the woods do it also bigfoot yeah also bigfoot <laughs> We might, we might see them. Um, well, Rich, thank you for that wonderful question of the week. Uh, before we dive any deeper into Survivor, a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back. Um, so before we talk too much about Survivor, um, a quick synopsis of the show. Um a reality show where a group of t contestants are stranded in a remote location with little more than the clothes on their back. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that sounds like if someone was asked to do a book report and didn't read the book and they were just like, this is, I saw a film starring Tom Hanks and this is what happened with him. Mm -hmm. uh, but Max, tell us a little bit more about the history behind this show. So today we are talking about the premiere of Survivor titled The Marooning, which originally aired on May 31st, 2000. And what if I told you that Survivor is not an American show? What would what? you say to that? Because while Survivor premiered in 2000, its <laughs> roots actually stem from a Swedish competition show titled Expedition Robinson, which premiered in 1987, created by British producer Charlie Persons and his company Planet 24. The idea was first conceived in 1994, but took three years of pitches to broadcasting companies around Europe to finally get it to air. The name, of course, playing homage to Robinson Crusoe and the Swiss Family Robinson, both novels featuring people being marooned on islands. <laughs> uh, so at this time, CBS is looking for new, edgier content after being the network known for family sitcoms and 60 Minutes for so long. And a big game changer at this time for network TV as a whole actually occurs in the summer of 1999, where ABC first premieres Whose Lies It Anyway, which proved that the summer months could actually be really successful for new shows and like different format shows and not just reruns and, well, for lack of a better word, cast-offs. Um, so Charlie Persons teams up with fellow British TV producer Mark Burnett to try and bring Expedition Robinson, which at this point is a massive hit in Sweden, over to the mm. States. Burnett had broken into reality TV with the show Eco Challenge, a multi-day adventure race, which first aired in 1995 on MTV before later finding homes on ESPN, the Discovery Channel, and USA. 
Uh, CBS is interested in the pitch, and the search is odd to basically find a host that Burnett insists is the type of person viewers would accept authentically as a guy who could hang on an island. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my favorite casting call we've done for a non-scripted here. Uh, So after hundreds of auditions, the role goes to Jeff Probst, who at the point in time was best as a correspondent on Access Hollywood and the host of VH1's Rock and Roll Celebrity Jeopardy. Let's uh, go. A show I'm pretty sure Rich has watched every episode of from 1998 <laughs> to 2001. I would do really well on that show. Bring it back. So, uh, yeah, that takes us to Borneo, baby. Borneo. <laughs> so... Let's just, you know, dive into the ocean off of our boat and uh, get to this remote island um, with just talking about the show concept, right? 16 Americans agree to be marooned on a beach uh, for 39 days in Borneo, right? And we sort of just literally and dive right yeah. into Why the- 39? <clears throat> because uh, it's three days of separation from the voting so they have a it's uh it's the right amount of days for the to vote everyone off consecutively so i don't know when this was filmed like in the year but maybe this was everyone's lent was they were doing this instead was this? okay was this this was everyone doing lent i i want no electronics near me and this is the easiest way to do that pre uh having an iphone and they're gonna eat fish every day (laughs) maybe a rat occasionally um oh my god fridays so like (laughs) we really do start off and it's just like they the they make it seem so dramatic of 16 castaways marooned 39 days and i just i can't help but lose my mind of like the over dramaticness of this intro i was cracking up when they're on the boat and they're like jeff probes is like walking around casually giving yes. exposition he's like all these all these dumbasses have two minutes to grab their <laughs> shit and jump in the water and swim to that island over there look, here's how the at, show's gonna work look at you these did. fucking dorks like look at all of them they think they think they can make fire out of nothing oh, what am i in your way am i in your way grabbing your ropes and your canteens am i blocking you <laughs> yeah back in the old neighborhood we made fire with a bare fucking hands like oh my god <laughs> why why did they i mean you can't do that take twice right they had to be really sure that jeff Probst was gonna hit those lines while there is just pure chaos of people literally trying to knife things off of a boat that they're standing on. Wait, 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 Rich, you just made a idea of what if they had to record that multiple times? <laughs> like, let's just think about that a little bit of like Jeff probes flubs up. He's like 18 and they're like, Jeff, no, it's 16 people. And he's like, fuck. All right. Like, the, the sorry. Everyone. <laughs> like, all right, back to one. Those rations need to go there. We need this over here. We need- <laughs> Rachel, I mean, you're watching this like this chaos happened behind a very calm Jeff Probst. And are you already in it? Are you already like, yes, like I'm here for this right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I, I'm obsessed with Jeff. He's, it's so funny. He's so young. Um, Mm -hmm. Watching this back was just hysterical. Cause yeah, he's so young and like, a Jeff Probst right now is just so comfortable and knows exactly word for word the sayings and the things that he's doing. And so watching it back and seeing him, he does kind of fumble here and there. And I think if you're watching it for the first time, you might not necessarily know. Um, but no, I, I'm loving it because it's just absolute chaos. <laughs> and he is like the one anchor of the show, you know. And so, mm-hmm. no, I think it's great. I love it. That's a nautical term. <laughs> it is. <laughs> So, like, while all this chaos is happening, we do get the exposition boost that we all need as the dum-dums in the audience being like, what the fuck is happening? Um, there's a $1 million reward that is Holy for, shit! Yeah. Yeah, in, it's a million dollars. In 2000, $1 million is a fuckload of money. Like, yeah. a life-changing <laughs> amount of money. No, but compared uh, to any, any competition show we've done, usually, like, the prizes of the shows we've covered have been, like, <laughs> well, here, that's a here's, here's $10,000 in a laptop, and, <laughs> yeah. and they're giving away a cool million in 2000 But we R- also... R- 
If I'm on an island for 39 days with these weirdos, you better (laughs) give me a million. They're also, like, really not eating. They're, like, I I didn't realize, like, how badly that they're all, that they, like, that they do when they first hit this island. Like, I, they all seem pretty competent from my perspective as someone who doesn't know how to do absolutely anything. (laughs) And they, okay, I will say they definitely picked the right house for this. Jeff Probst is like super in it. There is no moment of uh, there is no moment of Nick Arcade where you're like really trying to explain the game and like you're really getting you're diving in the middle of it. And you're very I, I think the first thing I'm looking out for is what is everyone's first move when they get to this island? Obviously, inventory. It's uh I don't know. Building, building the latrine seemed to be a huge focus for the edit of this show. I'm so, like, where are we going to shit? <laughs> so, like, Rich, I'm so happy you brought that up. Because, like, just for our audience, in case you were like, I don't know if I'm going to watch this. Divide them into two teams. Uh, they give them regional tribe names. Uh, and we have the Pagong and the Taji tribes. Um, which leads us to a very important question. What is our tribe of four's name? on oh, this wow. for the remainder of this podcast and Ooh. any suggestions no wrong answers but there might be a wrong answer well, uh, so, so they they have their tribe names based on what the name of the beach they are on so we are recording this on the platform riverside so we're the riverside tribe <laughs> there we go <laughs> wrap it up that's great um but like <laughs> As a whole, I think that it's so funny, and Richie brought it up, like, seeing what the initial reaction and the initial instincts of everyone is. And there's, I think, two major ones that they show us immediately that sort of stand out. We have Rudy, who I am going to call my MVP of this episode. Uh, Rudy is a 60-plus-year-old man. There's another 60-plus-year-old man that we're going to talk about because, my God, I didn't think Survivor could get horny. It's going to get horny. Uh, <laughs> but the but Rudy is an ex-Navy SEAL who just is like, I am going to take command. He's calling other people fat who are leaner than him. Uh, <laughs> and he is genuinely one of my favorite human beings I have ever watched on TV, uh, knowing he's a real person. <laughs> Rudy, just every time I see him, reminds me of the main villain from Avatar. Uh, (laughs) Whoever, like, the Marine Corporal is, who's the bad guy. I don't don't know his name, because none of the characters in that movie have names, and you can't convince me otherwise. But he does have a really good power move early on, which is identifying the direction of the wind so he can tell them where to build the latrine so the smell of shit doesn't blow back at them. That's brilliant. I would have never thought about that. They also definitely got briefed on like, hey, when you get to the island, here are like five things you might consider doing before you like go to sleep that night. And it's like definitely someone just heard the word latrine and they were like, I don't know what that is. It seems important. And then I also you you kind of don't really get a lot of background of everybody's collective experience with survivaling uh, survivalism or uh, camping or canyon uh, like canyoning or whatever the hell uh, and anything like that is like you really have very little to go off of like there's no reason we should know that any people i mean you can assume that like a retired navy seal would know how to do certain things so when you get to a when you get to an island but yeah i mean you really don't understand like if anyone has these skills at all so say so like d- Day one, night one, who who else are we feeling? Who are some of our highlights? Who are some of our favorite people from the oh. two tribes? Rachel, I want to hear from you first, because <laughs> I feel like you instantly clock someone, even though you might have already watched the season. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, you, you have your big personalities like Rich, uh, Richard Hatch. Um famous do we do we know about richard hatch we do we're gonna we're gonna talk about him at the end of the show (laughs) wonderful as we should um so rudy's great too i just one minute we we gotta take take a minute for rudy r.a.p um (laughs) spoiler alert he 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 died (laughs) mid-season got harpooned (laughs) (laughs) and then another great one is obviously bb I yeah. mean, yeah. BB is great. 
But I, I immediately clocked Ramona throwing up just from being on like a little bit of a raft trip. Like, yeah, Damn. this is fair. She wasn't even swimming. No. Yeah, they they try to establish a narrative a lot of a lot of these people like very very early on. Like this yeah. this episode is extremely Richard, Rudy, Ramona, and BB heavy, and mm-hmm. you can see that they're like very the edits, you know, with some hindsight of knowing how this season ends. They they really try to like pick out some villains, some all stars, some like troublemakers, like re- like really early on. No one works harder than the editors at Survivor. <laughs> God, the fact that they they are on this beach for mere minutes and Richard goes full corporate trader mode on them of like, here's the activities we need to do to establish teamwork early on. Everyone's like, eh, hey, shut up, because yeah, we oh. got we got Susan. The truck driver from Wisconsin, yes. uh, a.k.a. a, uh, a classic. Natasha Leone character, yeah. <laughs> who's yeah. like, you know, rats are just fuzzy squirrels with tails, which establishes that Susan knows squirrel meat taste and has had <laughs> the delicacy known as burgoo at some point in her life. She, she did say she's a self-proclaimed redneck. All right. So we got, we got avatar villain, Rudy. We've got, uh, HR Richard. We've got Natasha Leone, squirrel eating Susan. Who else are we feeling from this? <laughs> squirrel eating Susan. So like, I, I have to talk about who I'm not feeling on this show. Um, did anyone else just say, oh, no, when they met Sonia? Because oh, yeah. as soon as they described Sonia as a cancer survivor, I instantly was just like, oh, we have a problem here. Well, that's on you. That's on and, you. Yeah, that's on that's, you. Like, that's first of all, up, Jeff. I, I, I understand. Wow. I think that's that's really Jeff fucked up of you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, am I allowed to say that's fucked up? Hell yeah. Yes, you are. But like, in all honesty, let me, let me just explain. Because please, please. they, they. Dig instantly, your own latrine, please. <laughs> yes, I will dig my own latrine. Because immediately, we only get two bits of Sonia before the big challenge that they do. Um, they get. She explains that her skin is very thin because she is older and she is bruising much easier than everyone else. And then she sings and finds a ukulele somehow because when they were grabbing provisions, that was one of the things. And I instantly thought, yeah, no, she's out. Like, immediately. I don't even need to watch the rest of the episode. She's not winning this competition. I got one... I got one inkling into how Sonia would fare uh, on this show, and it's uh, that she was a musician. That was her skill. Um, I, you know, so like, okay, I get it. You're a musician, so you know how to live on zero money. That's great. That's your survivalist skill. <laughs> but, but the ultimate, like, if someone brought out a ukulele while I'm literally trying to like, like, save well, you're my not, life, <laughs> while you haven't eaten in two days, <laughs> I would eat that ukulele before they even tried to play it. I was gonna say I see all I see is kindling wood. All I see yeah. is kindling wood. <laughs> um, but like I, I mean, we could talk all day about some of the things and the activities that happen, as well as like some of these producer created moments of like the watching BB create shelter while everyone else is enjoying a lovely day at the beach is one of the <laughs> funniest things I have seen on reality TV ever. And he's just like, he's just the most spiteful human being during it. He's like, fuck everyone around me. Like everyone fucking sucks. And I'm going to die from heat exhaustion and sun exposure. Old man Anderson took me on a journey this episode. Cause we first meet BB. I'm like, Oh, there's this old guy. He's got a t-shirt that has screen printed photos of his family. He found the water. And I'm like, okay, I like this guy. They do like his, like intro package and it's just him with this like denim bomber jacket and he kind of lowers the newspaper to show his glass I'm like oh i love old man bb anderson and then like within 20 minutes he's just yelling and cussing and calling all the women <laughs> sweetheart and i'm like i don't think i like this guy anymore and max you didn't even mention what's his nickname do you remember what they were calling him oh viagra of course yeah there you go there's <laughs> some product placement in the episode that was unexpected hey, look viagra was brand new then it was really hot <laughs> it was like it was supposed to yeah, be th- it was this show this is, is brought to you guys. by reebok and viagra <laughs> <laughs> The granddaughters that are on his shirt while all of this oh is my happening. God. It's it's 
truly a beautiful moment. Um, <laughs> I do love the idea that the, like, we have some, like, major conflicts that happen in the show that they try to produce up, right? Like, yeah. the first is getting food seems to be difficult. Mm. Um, and, like, I, I don't think we've even touched on the idea that Rich's strategy at the start is to have a corporate team building meeting uh, <laughs> to, when you're on an island uh, because that is his only skill set that he reveals in the oh, beginning no. of this we, show. We got marooned on an island and all we have is this McKinsey consultant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do understand the strategy. I, I will say I understand his point of view of what we need to do first is establish like rules and like communication you know because uh rudy's like okay we got we got flatland here let's brush it off that's the sleeping quarters makes sense and now that we have that richard's like okay let's like let's get lines of communication going so we know who's in charge of what and everyone's like no fuck you (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um yeah like I, I do love that. I love that, like, we get these really weird little things where it's like, let's give depth to this person. Like, the the weird Bible moment that just happened in the middle of the episode that was, like, out of yeah. nowhere. Dirt where did he get that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone gets one item, and he's just, just like, but you know, that's... it's most... Im- <laughs> it was attached to the ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's yeah, like when oh my god. Um I just wonder if they came to casting with like three items. You know, and oh. casting and then producers were like, All right, this is this is your bit, this is you. You get to you get to pick the most chaotic one to keep with you. It, right? It's very it's very much like that consulting question they give, like, what three items would you bring with you if you were on a deserted <laughs> island? That's the casting. And my guy was just like, I just need a Bible and that's it. That's it. <laughs> That's he it. brought three and different God Bibles. Will carry me back. Yeah, he he brought the Old <laughs> Testament, he brought the New Testament, and then he even brought a Torah because he was just like, I need double the Old Testament. Um, like the oh, the thing God. that I was just like losing my mind at though was I think they did such a good job because this did almost feel like traditional TV. And we have our major conflict of making sure to get food is difficult, right? Like. We found out that one of their our tribes got the fish traps. Um, we got to see a rat get murdered on TV, which was delightful. Uh, and then we also got to see our um, trying to get fire. Because as the Pagong tribe seems to figure out how to get food, the our other tribe is sort of like, we have fire, but we have no food. And it's a very interesting juxtaposition of the two. Yeah, I, I I think that would probably be the most heartbreaking thing for me to catch to like go out catch a fish in a like a harsh like wilderness area and then have to watch it rot because you can't eat it. That would be like not only did you take a life for for food, you also let it rot and like no one got sustenance from it. It is uh, yeah, it's just very heartbreaking. Rich, you know that famous saying, you t- can teach a man to fish, um, but <laughs> you can't teach him how to cook. But you can't teach a man to make fire, it appears. You uh, can bribe a producer for fish and get fed for a day, or you can teach the producer. Uh, oh my god. Like that, yeah, you that was the, got it. That was the funniest part, though. Like you, I had this such this mixed feeling of watching them rub the pieces of wood together, and the producers made it seem like that was going on for hours. And yeah. it was probably a minute and a half that they just were like, we're going to get 20 different angles of this, just like all the smoke, literally no fire. Angry at each other. Yeah, I want all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I, I actually at this moment didn't realize because, you know, first episode, I'm trying to see who's who is weak, who is going to get voted out first. Mm-hmm. Who who causes the biggest liability for this? Obviously, Sonia is the the biggest liability for that team. I thought BB was the biggest liability for the other team because he needs glasses. So I'm like, oh, if you break your glasses while you're here, you are fucking us for the rest of the competition. Basically, you you are you are a major liability. And then they use the glasses to to start the first fire. I was like really impressed. I. I probably should have realized that you could do that, but, uh, you know, (laughs) 
I, and that's one of the things that I think this pilot does a really good job of, of like, it gives us this little sneak peek into like, Hey, there are going to be survivor skills that are necessary. There's definitely gamesmanship that mm-hmm. is very necessary. And we don't even see things like a finding the immunity idols, right? Like around the Island, which becomes a famous thing in later seasons, like of the strategy behind an immunity idol. And do you show if you have one or not? But like, I think that this episode did a great job of showing us some elements and then showing us a bigger element in we get our first challenge. I was going to say, Jeff, you mentioned uh, our first kind of game theory piece of the immunity idol. So I think we should take it to competition time. Yeah, absolutely. So our competition is obviously the producers are like, one team is having issues with getting fire and we can't have them all die. So we're going, <laughs> we're going to do a fire-based challenge for 50 of these waterproof matches just to like make sure it was idiot proof. They were like, we yeah. still don't trust them to like, even if we gave them just a book of matches, they'd still fuck it up somehow. So like, <laughs> let's make sure we give them enough fire to last 39 days, no matter what. And they have to get fire from out in the ocean. Um, here's a question that I have for all three of you. What do we think the budget was for Tiki Torches on <laughs> this show? Are because bo- uh, Above or below Charlottesville? What do we think? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to say they went to a Home Depot and they were like, we need everything. Like, we need, we need yeah. all of your torches right away. But they're bringing it in teams via a raft to this gigantic wooden like figure that they built to then burn it into flames. Um, Which like, I think the funniest part immediately when I saw that gigantic wooden idol, I'm like, there's going to be the team that goes home without the matches. That is like, there's so much fire that we can't take home with us. that We literally are going to just watch bird in front of us and just be hungry tonight. A hundred percent. This is an interesting challenge because each team has this like raft with like wooden logs for handles. You have to move it through the water while one person has to keep a hand on the raft and also use a torch to light all the other torches. So like it's, it's part physicality, but also there is a finesse element because you can't just brute strength and try to mm-hmm. like rush to the water because you have to pace the lighting of the torches, and, like make sure that person can do it efficiently. And it's it's interesting how, d- despite so much success like early on from the the Tagi tribe, like the second Sonia hits the deck, like all their momentum yeah. gets thrown. And so my question is. Is that them kind of like bull rushing and hurting themselves, or is that just like a pure error on her part? That's a good question. I mean, ultimately, you're pu- you're pushing yourself really hard already. You're pushing. Everyone has to push together. They know they have to be really quick with it. I mean, because you're also when you're watching that other team like try to race by, like you're you feel that stress. You have to keep pushing by. Also, didn't realize how much of a skill set it would be to be over six feet tall for this uh, for this show. You, it is a real asset for these people. It is truly. Well, I think that they should have strategized better. Why was she in the middle, like getting yeah. run over by everybody? I mean, she should have been in the front, either leading or dragging from behind. Hundred percent. I think right? she could have just held on to the thing, and the rest of them could have supported it. She should have just monkeyed, like held on to it, and they could have just carried her. Honestly. Um, what I was going to say is I think that like as a whole with this, this, this is just insane. This is a great first challenge to just show the, show the chaoticness. And also it's a good team building challenge because like in later seasons of this show, there are those individual, like, Hey, you win it for your tribe, but you get to show your strength as a whole. Mm. And also like how you might be a threat to everyone. This was a good, like, let's just like weed out the weakest person here and like make sure like, and I hate to drag someone while they're down and they've already faced their battles, but the producers made it very clear who we were going to be losing first, um, at least in their minds, if they were to lose this challenge, but we lose this challenge. And I think we get a very critical part of the show that we get to learn about even more. 10 minutes of dramatic B-roll footage. Yeah. Not just that, but also <laughs> with the theme song behind it. I think what I was more so thinking of is seeing the gamesmanship again 
of people talking about who is out. Like, who are we voting out as a whole? And everyone, like, talking to each other of, like, oh, who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? And one person decides, I'm going to lie about who I'm voting for. Because, like, I'm going to start setting the trap of, like, people feeling confident that this person is safe uh, when they really aren't. Um, let's talk about how elimination goes. Because this was probably the most highly produced the nicest area of the island be far, be, by far, and the most mosquito repellent probably used on, <laughs> on a single set. Um, this poor cast just looking at craft services feet away from them and knowing they're not allowed to touch it. All those tiki torches are actually big citronella candles. <laughs> you guys, it's citronella candles, <laughs> Jersey are. Mike subs, and they're not allowed to have any of them. Have you guys seen those photos of like, there's photos on Reddit or like wherever you look for these where like they just have like 10 cameras focusing on someone who's starving away on Survivor and the yeah. person's fully geared and they have like the net over their head and stuff yeah. like that. With yeah, they're wearing a 20, four season Borneo baseball cap. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I do love the theatricality of this uh, elimination as a whole. Uh, producers were really worried about this tribe and they were like, now we have a way for you definitely to get fire because we're going to send you home with these torches that are already lit. Uh, but one of you is not making it. These torches represent your life on the island. And now it is time for you to, you know, pick out who gets eliminated um what did we think what did we think of like having the talking heads almost explaining why they're voting for someone out like would love to hear from each of you i think the strategy of like pop or i guess the yeah strategy versus popularity is kind of what plays into this first elimination and two people we haven't talked a ton about are stacy and kelly on the taji tribe who basically want to create a block to eliminate rudy strictly because he's they think he's bossy and he's mm. commandeering and demanding and it's it's really interesting to see the angle of not who is the best person for this team in terms of skill set but who do i want to be stuck on a desert island yeah. with for the next 38 days and they're like listen he found the clearing for our sleeping quarters and he built the latrine we don't need him anymore he pisses us <laughs> off <laughs> so I, they, we hear these talking heads and like, Rachel, I would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on like hearing people talk about why and like hearing some people be like very upfront from it. And then we have Richard be like, I have my reasons. And like, not even, he wants zero evidence of like why he thinks people need to go out there. Like would love to hear from you on that. Um, well, I mean, first, I think it's really interesting that it, I I mean, I guess that's a strategy. This person is annoying. Let's get them out. But it's just so funny to compare it to today because it's I think it's just a completely different TV show at this point. Um, there's there's so much more strategy that goes into it. And so for this elimination, I mean, I think it's always good to hear their talking points and like why they made that decision so you can figure out who they're actually really working with. But yeah, with Rich, it's, <laughs> what, what was, what did he say? I have, I have my subtle reasons or whatever. And then he doesn't even remotely. I have several reasons and that was it. Like everyone <laughs> else. Most gives... Corporate trader HR answer yes. he could have given. Wait, well, okay. So I'm wondering about this too, Rachel, and I want to know your opinion about this. Is this a strategy because he doesn't trust the producers not to leak this information to other tribe uh, members yet? Is that, do you think that could be it? It could be. I also just think he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and referring to him as anything HR is hysterical because this man um, is a problem. He's a problem. Get into it. We'll, we'll talk about it in a bit. <laughs> I mean, later in the season, I mean, should it should have been they should have nixed him from the show um, mm. for the way that he behaves. Um, Interesting. Ooh, this man. He, I, I yeah. can't wait to talk about it more. <laughs> uh, okay, so right now, as it stands, because we're about to reveal who gets who gets got in the uh, the first tribal council. Um, who are you personally voting off, and why? 
I, I think everyone knows what my answer is, so I'm going to ask the three of you, who are you voting <laughs> off and why? <laughs> I mean, I I would also cast my vote for Sonya. I just don't think that there is a legitimate thing that she brings to the team. Like, you've got, you got Navy SEALs, you've got doctors, you've got Susan, who could survive the harsh Wisconsin winter. I think she could, you know, <laughs> do this. Uh, I, I don't see out of this first eight a thing that Sonya brings that justifies her remaining. Rich, what about you? Uh, I got to go Sonya as well, but I'm also very curious, uh, you know, at what stage, at what point, how many people left are you going from, I need to eliminate the weakest link so we win more immunity challenges mm -hmm. versus how do I start eliminating threats to me? And at a certain point, you have to start thinking about what, who are the people who are the most competent and the most valuable to others that I need to eliminate and how do I survive without them? Because that is, I, I, it's obviously not the very first week, um, but at what point do you change? What point do you change that strategy? What about you, Rachel? Any, are you, are you going differently? Are you thinking, you know what? Fuck Rudy. I, I need that man <laughs> off my team. <laughs> Um, you know, to be honest, I, I think I maybe would have gone with the girls that, yeah, like we, we got what we needed out of Rudy. He's, he's also very old and has thin skin. Mm, like, true. Facts. why are we Literally, just talking about Sonia's thin skin? Um, okay. I will say, you know, like just being devil's advocate, uh, as a fan of D and D, every party needs a bard and someone who can play some music. So, you know, like... <laughs> Maybe that's why we keep Sonia around. Uh, but uh, I, I will say, as uh, far as the final vote tally, we have Stacy with one vote, mm. Rudy with three votes, and Sonia with four. And we get the fucking iconic line with the amazing music of this pilot that I don't think we've touched on. But like the music is getting giving me a it's vibe. So good. Jeff Probst just says the tribe has spoken. And I got chills and was like, let's fucking go. This is like, actually my, my first experience with Survivor ever. And it's it's like, it's really cool when there's a line that's become so ubiquitous with pop culture, just like our lexicon 20 something years later to like see it like, oh, this is what it happened for the first yeah. time. So I remember watching this. I remember watching this ep this season, this episode. I was like, I am so into this. I am, yeah. I am 10 years old and fucking hooked. <laughs> um, so... From there, I would love to hear from each of you. We That is our pilot. Um, what were some things that you loved about this pilot that maybe we didn't touch on? Ooh, I, I mean, I feel like we talked a little bit. We talked a decent amount about the gameplay, but like immediately my brain is going into strategy mode. And I, ha I have very few reality or competition shows that I have that with. But like mm -hmm. this just got something out of me in a way that I guess it is kind of like the, the TikTok like Roman Empire joke where you're talking or like. <laughs> You know how uh, men will think about like uh, my friend's favorite bar question to ask men is uh, what do you think is the largest animal that you can subdue? And I'm like, OK, this is like men are constantly thinking about this bullshit. And so I'm like, OK, desert island. How am I going to survive? That kind of thing. This immediately got my brain going into that mode. And I just thought it was like you, you feel really connected to the people who are there. I, I love that a lot. We've been pretty harsh on Celia's entire episode, but she has a moment where they have to pack up for the tribal council meeting, which she says, why do we have to pack? We just got settled. And uh, <laughs> that, I, yeah, I love her. That's, that's the one time that I saw myself in this competition. <laughs> Rachel, what about you? Um, something we've been touched on are the incredible early 2000s graphics. Um, yes, in yes. the corner, like the Ooh. the the text. <laughs> yeah, you're so, so right. <laughs> you're so right. This reads PC game in a way that <laughs> that I haven't felt in a long time. Like PowerPoint, they got this text <laughs> and they <laughs> ran with it. You know, even the cutscenes of just fire flickering is like very like loading screen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As yeah. soon as producers discovered the papyrus font, you're like, oh, <laughs> a whole show that's papyrus font. <laughs> oh, that's our second avatar connection. <laughs> yes. Um, and for myself, like, I know I touched on it just briefly ago, but um, the music fucking slaps for this yeah. show. Yeah. Like, the so music... Good. The music is so good, and it gives this show the vibe that it needs to be like, yeah, like, you're in it. 
and you're going to get like hyped up. And I felt my adrenaline going. I was just like, okay, where am I going to find that fresh source of water at the end of this episode? It's- like my sink's 20 feet away. Like, how am I going to get there? Um, but we, we talked about things that we loved. What about wait a minute moments for each of you? Um, and I'll kick it off. Um, you know, so, so, so Rudy has a moment where he's bonding with Rich and he says, and he says, I'm no homosexual. And I, I literally, my jaw dropped, uh, because speaking about going into the future, I think it turns out that Rich was gay. gay And, and like, I was just like, oh, wow, this is. This is something like we didn't need that comment, but also like Rudy, you're 60 years old in 2000. Like that was that was a weird time. Um, yeah, yeah. Rudy, has, Rudy has not figured out the. You, you can tell he while he is like great at the survival instincts, he's very bad at the gameplay of you hide out yeah. until you have to make yourself known on a reality competition show. You don't you don't make yourself the idiot like the first the outspoken person the like first episode. But Rudy is Rudy's still living by don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> well, it wasn't acted his entire career. So... Yeah, Jeff, I, I had the exact same thing as you to our listeners who watched this week's episode and stuck around for the preview for the rest of the season. Rudy says, me and Richard got to be pretty good friends, not in the homosexual way. And I I I I I hollered. I, I was just like, oh my God. Um, like, Network and- TV, baby. Any others before we uh, dive into our in-flight question? <laughs> that's all. I, okay. That's the most one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, okay. I need to know. So when uh, Jeff go, he's got Sonia's torch, right? And he puts it into the ground. Oh, yes. <laughs> as if he's not tall enough to just <laughs> <dump> it. <laughs> put it out. Look. The contestants have to be over six feet tall. Jeff Probst does not. How no. tall is Jeff Probst? We're okay, gonna, we're, we're know, gonna I'm going to go into my magic box <laughs> and uh, find out. Um, Jeff Probst is five foot ten. So, you know, like, he's not short. He's, he's no. plenty. That is a solid six foot one in Hollywood. So he's doing great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's got so, a little podium, you know, when he's on rock and roll Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we love an apple box. Um, so that, thank you for I, that's, uh, the, that's what I need to know, because in, even then it was it was so like it was not smooth whatsoever. <laughs> he couldn't oh find the hole. He it was his first time in there. <laughs> The producers were the person, the set coordinator was just like, you're going to put it in that hole and everyone's going to be like, wow, in that moment, (laughs) just like, oh my goodness, what a powerful move by you big, strong man, Jeff Brooks. But we do have an in-flight question um, that we got. I, um, I was asked, Rachel, if you had to pick between myself, Rich and Max, Who's winning in Borneo? Ooh. I'm the only person that she knows outside of this podcast. Yeah, that might episode. be to your disadvantage, Rich. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you, have, you have one hour of information on us. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, because it's, yeah, it's the year 2000. I'm going to have to go with Jeff. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, okay. Fucking go. I, I'll take that win. <laughs> Mostly just because you're the most mask. <laughs> Okay. Okay, Rudy. <laughs> yeah, let's fucking go. We all have a friendship with Jeff in a non-homosexual way. Yeah. <laughs> hey, as far as you know, um, <laughs> you don't know where I fall on the Kinsey scale. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, thank you for that in-flight question. Let's talk a little bit about the history of this show. 45 seasons, 653 episodes, and counting. Um, 653? Uh, in case you were curious how many days in a row you'd be able to watch this show, it's about 20 if you just had <gasps> the show nonstop on TV oh my God. running. Man, uh, that would which, kill half their time on Borneo. <laughs> which, good news, you can actually find this show on Pluto TV because they have an entire channel dedicated to Survivor. Wow. Um, let's talk a little bit more about this show. So, So we've talked about um, episode of season one. If you want to continue watching this, go and be my guest, right? But 
I'm going to suggest you skip the next 30 seconds of this podcast because I'm going to divulge a little bit of information. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Richard, a.k.a. Richard Hatch. Uh, yes, he was our winner. Uh, he then proceeded to get convicted of three counts of tax evasion and what? fraudulent tax returns. Uh, he served 51 months in prison and then failed to redo his 2000 and 2001 taxes, which is important because, you know, they were affected by winning a million dollars. Richard uh, won a million dollars and promptly turned around and told Uncle Sam, what million dollars? And oh, then, my God. And then the Borneo. Borneo. He had to go to prison <laughs> another nine months, and his crimes did not stop there. Uh, he failed to pay property taxes on a home he owned in Nova Scotia. So then it just went up for auction because he failed for six years to pay property taxes on it. Um, he proceeded to have a career after this, including losing on all Survivor All-Stars the first time they did it, and also going on The Biggest Loser and proceeding to get voted out within the second week. Um, wow. So, you know. An iconic f- reality TV villain. Yeah, um, God okay. damn. Wait, so, okay. So, is I mean, was the whole claim that like he was in Borneo? I can't pay American taxes for money I did I earned overseas. Like, what I, is going on there? I want to be a fly on the wall in that situation. Let's talk about one other surprise um, star that came out of this, and that was our little church mouse, Colleen Haskell, who really did not appear in this pilot much. Uh, she this was just is the first student. time we've mentioned her today. Yeah. yeah. She was um, just the person from Miami, as she said on her talking head. Uh, but even though she did not win, she ended up having a small stint in Hollywood, uh, going on multiple shows and even starring as a wilderness TV show win- reality TV winner on a little show that rhymes with Mammimal, uh that stars Rob Schneider. Uh, who has animal parts transplanted she, into him, resulting in him becoming... She plays the love interest in The yeah. Animal with Rob Schneider. I, yes. I didn't even know that was a real movie. <laughs> oh, highly recommend um, oh, watching that movie that rhymes with that, and I'm bleeping all of this out. Um, <laughs> and if you think that AI can write better movies, scripts than that, uh, go for it. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, Maybe don't start with that one as an example. (laughs) Uh, So the show has been on five different continents and 18 different countries. Uh, The leading country actually being Fiji, which has hosted 13 of the 45 seasons. For a second, I thought you meant that it's aired on five different continents. And then I realized you meant like, no, they've literally filmed it on five different continents. Um, So... When was the last time on this pilot we talked about the ratings of a show? Because these are some of the most insane ratings I have ever seen since we've done the show. So for those who are listening at home, our record for the most people to ever watch a show was 24.3 million so far. These are the the shows we've covered. Of the shows that we have covered. Okay. The season one finale of this show had 51.69 yep. million people watch it. Yeah, this felt wow. like an event. I, it, I remember vividly watching this one. I remember like almost every televised event that year. And yep. that was also the year that the Olympics were on. Yep. And <laughs> there was Sydney. a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> so Super after Bowl happened scene, already. Super Bowl happened yeah. already. <laughs> so it was rated as a top 10 show uh, for the first 11 wow. seasons that it was on the air, which is yeah. absolutely insane considering what has happened to TV since the year 2000. Um, but This you is know, American after- Idol level finale like yeah. viewing moment for me. Like so, I, I vividly remember when Kelly Clarkson won. I vividly remember when Richard Hatch won. Those are like my two. That, that's my that's my mash finale moment of a TV watcher and, uh, as a child. So for the second time in a few weeks, we actually get to chat about awards. Um, 76 awards that this show was nominated for. 63 of them were Emmys. Wow. Like prime, not, not creative arts award Emmys. The, these were primetime Emmys. Damn. Uh, and they, they won seven Emmys. Uh, okay. Survivor won seven Emmys, you know, but some other shows that very critically acclaimed 
have never won an Emmy. And that makes me sad. Uh, <laughs> so talking about surviving, uh, this show has had a number of legal controversies that we could do an entire different podcast about. Uh, and also, <laughs> for some reason, there have been DVDs of almost every single season of the show made available uh 43 Dude, of the it sh- was the early 2000s everything was on dvd there's also a best of survivor dvd that you can still purchase on amazon that you know one of you might be getting as a gift for christmas this year i'm right not and review the podcast <laughs> um so also some other things there is a survivor video game which scored a 2.4 out of 10 and just was called quote painful uh and finally in a first for this show And in TV Pilots License history, this show is the first one to have its own amusement park ride. Yes, that's right. Uh, At California's Great Adventure in Santa Clara, California, uh, you can now ride the Tiki Twirl, which at one point was the Survivor Experience, which featured memorabilia from the show all around, as well as merch available for purchase. So that is our show history rich what's your game of the week uh i have a little bit of survivor trivia for you it's not about the show but it's about survivors uh (laughs) not gloria gainers i will survive but more about people who survived the wilderness it was gloria gainer right not donna summers anyways uh (laughs) survivor trivia uh i have a question for each of you uh jeff this first one's for you Sir John Franklin led a team to find the Northwest Passage in the Arctic Ocean. After an incredibly grueling and deadly voyage, his stranded crew on the brink of starvation survived on boiling what? A, wood chips, B, boots, C, jackets, D, urine. Well, you know, I'm just going to go for boots. That just seems right. They made a broth of boiled leather boots. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> if you if you do not tan leather, you can still eat it for survival uh, and get nutrients from it for survival. That's um, amazing. All right. Uh, Rachel, this next one's for you. Nurse Violet Jessup remarkably and almost impossibly survived three what? A, plane crashes, B, 7.0 or higher earthquakes, D, shipwrecks. Um. I meant C shipwrecks. <laughs> really good at letters. Shipwrecks usually do happen on the sea. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> and not on the D. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with A. It is uh C shipwrecks. Uh, yeah. She famously survived the, uh, the wrecks of the Olympic, the Titanic and the Britannic. Two of them as employees, the last one as a nurse during World War One. She survived three separate famous shipwrecks. That's amazing. Um, all right, uh, Max, last one is for you. Aaron Ralston, the man whose story later became the film 127 Hours, had his arm trapped between a canyon wall and a boulder and had to cut it off himself to survive, then became the face of what brand? A, Allstate Insurance, you're in good hands. B, REI. C, Miller Lite. D Cutco knives. Oh gosh. Um, I'm going to say REI. It is C Miller light. He was, he became uh, someone he, they did like a panel of manliness commercial or something like that. And he was one of the people on, on the panel. Uh, American, American advertising, baby. There's nothing <laughs> like it. Cause you only need one hand to hold a Miller light. So, Rich, one, thank you for that game of the week. Yeah, Um, well done. So our flight's coming near to a land. I think we've exhausted this pilot as far as (laughs) all the things we could talk about it. And I'm exhausted. So I'm I'm curious. One, I have two questions for you. Should, would you continue watching season one of the show based off of the pilot and the pilot alone? And two... We're currently on season 45. Should there be a season 46? Question mark? 46 is happening right now. Okay. Should there be a 47? That's so crazy. Uh, They start filming 47 tomorrow. They're they're probably filming it right now. Let's watch it. Rachel, as our survivor dork, (laughs) self-acclaimed, 
what what are your thoughts on this? Do you do you still need this structure in your life, or should it go the way of the dodo? Oh no, I definitely need it. <laughs> <laughs> I need it, especially because um, you know we we've we've evolved, right? So it's it's yes, it's still Survivor, but the game is completely different now, mm. and also the cast has evolved. You know, we've realized that we probably need more than two black people on the show. Um, so we have, I mean, we've got people from all different backgrounds now. We're letting Canadians be on the show. Oh my God, um, not on my I, watch. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really interesting to see how instead of these like mostly middle upper class white people are doing things, you know, we've got, we've got all types, sizes, colors, you know, backgrounds. It's great. I love it. I really enjoy it. Um, but as for the first season, <laughs> I'm probably good. I mean, I don't need to. I don't need to finish it right now. <laughs> Rich, what about you? I'm going hell yeah and watching the rest of this. I, I just got so excited by this. I got so excited, like reliving this moment of like me being a, a I think a third grader, like watching this. And I, I like I love the gamesmanship of it. I would love to see where the gamesmanship evolves from it because like. So few reality shows really get me in the uh, space where I'm like really clinging to every word just to see how people are playing off of each other, playing the little chess match. Um, I'm absolutely watching the rest of the season. And you know what? I'm watching more of it, too. I'm definitely I'm I'm watching like other seasons. I definitely I, I really do want to try more of this. How about you, Max? I think this podcast did its job because I was coming into today being like, I just don't know if I want to watch people like suffering and struggling on an island for the next 14 weeks and an hour later i'm like yeah i i would absolutely continue to watch this season of this show so good job oh, yeah. everyone we did an effective effective episode and i honestly think despite being 47 seasons in we need survivor more than ever because there's so many shitty other survive like survival shows happening now where it's like we took celebrities and made them live in like a mars terraforming simulator or like yeah. we make uh c-list reality stars go through military <laughs> boot camp like we actually need the og to prop up because of how shitty the imitators have gotten so yeah i i hope it keeps surviving i don't know what you're talking about we need to see jojo siwa jump out of a, a marine helicopter <laughs> um for myself i i have a secret i've been keeping this entire He's watched podcast. every episode. He was on season 29. <laughs> um, we might have all been. I watched this pilot at 1.5 speed uh, because it could not hold my attention. What? Um, and at 1.5 speed, it barely did. So do wow. I need to watch this season again because I watched it the first time 23 years ago? No, uh, I don't. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I can see why folks need structure in their lives. I'm a big fan of a schedule and planning and predictability. <laughs> so yeah, this show does belong on CBS because filling a network schedule is very hard and they got something <laughs> and it's their golden goose. Oh my God, Jeff went full Richard Hatch. I thought we had an alliance and he voted against us. <laughs> <laughs> But he didn't explain why. No, I, I think, Jeff, this is like the most critical I've seen you of like a popular show that we've done. I mean, I feel like you had a less like extreme reaction to the 70s house. I feel like you like the 70s house more <laughs> than you did Survivor. You know what? I am a very multidimensional human being who's yes, allowed to have my likes and my dislikes. But our flight has now landed. And um, before we go, I want to make sure that everyone knows where they can find each of you. Rachel, first of all, thank you so much for yeah, joining thank you, Rachel. our podcast and the chaos that we are. Uh, we'd love to know, other than Venmoing you for your 30th birthday, uh, which, is, which where, is again, Rach McKnight at Venmo. <laughs> where can folks find you if they want to see more of your comedy or learn more about you? Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Rach McKnight. It's the exact same as my Venmo. And, uh, <laughs> she's 
She planted um, her flag. She got all the handles. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, if if you're in New York, uh, come over to to Brooklyn. There's a watch party uh, at Crystal Lake every Wednesday. Yes. Um, for it's Survivor. A great time. Yeah, for Survivor. Sometimes people from the current season actually will drop in. Um, last week there was a costume party. Everyone dressed up as either their favorite survivor or their favorite, um, challenge, which was really cool. That's sick. Yeah, it was cool. It's good stuff. Um, I love so that. highly, highly recommend. Yeah. And Max, where can folks find you? You could find me on mainland, idiots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Seg. Rich, what about you? You can find me once again googling where Borneo is, and also on <laughs> and also on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. You can find original uh, sketch comedy from Max and I on TikTok at Dadwagon Comedy. And you can find me, you know, texting Richard Hatch for tax advice. Uh, but you can also find me on social media at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots License anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as YouTube uh, at TV Pilots License. If you have questions about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at TV Pilots License at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram and TikTok for sneak previews of some of our upcoming episodes. We've also started launching episodes to watch on Spotify uh, if you are very specific to one platform. But with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, the tribe has spoken. Happy birthday, Rachel. Happy birthday, Rachel. Woo! <laughs> 